We're in a series called Juicy Fruit that we're looking at this summer. My title today is Hurry Up and Wait. Hurry up and wait. Our key scripture for this series is found in Galatians chapter number 5, picking up in verse number 22 and 23. The scripture says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. We've talked about love, joy. We've looked at joy, peace. We've looked at peace, patience. We're looking at it today. Kindness, we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Goodness, we're going to be taking a look at goodness next weekend. I know it's July the 4th weekend, but it's going to be an awesome time as God pours out His Spirit as we look at goodness next weekend. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Hurry up and wait. Patience. And I tell you, patience is probably one of the most difficult fruits of the Spirit. I think we all struggle in the area of patience. And the reason I think we struggle so much because it just goes against human nature. I mean, can I, how many of you know that, that even when a baby comes out the womb, they're not very patient? When they come out the womb, now, I didn't know if you knew this or not, but a pastor's baby, when they are wet or hungry at 4 o'clock in the morning, because I'm a pastor, my babies never cry. I'm just playing, folks. I'm, <laughs> hey, man, somebody over here really got the joke. That's right. I mean, now that's what babies do. I mean, they just cry 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. When that baby's wet, when that baby's hungry, that baby doesn't go, well, you know, I guess I'll be patient right now. Let mom and dad get some rest till the sun comes up. Oh, no. How many of you got a baby that gets louder and louder if you don't hurry up and come? You know what I'm saying? Because they're, they're impatient. They're just born that way. They're born with impatience. I, I think about my little son, Kel. He's, he's four and a half years old. Every time we get in the car, almost every time you can count on it, we get about halfway down the street. He's going to ask, are we there yet, Dad? Just, are we there yet? No, son. He always responds back. Are we getting closer? I mean, son, we just got in the car. We take some time to get to where we're going. I mean, and he just asked me that over and over. Are we there yet? He just, he has no patience. Matter of fact, the other day, my son had an emotional breakdown. I mean, it was almost like a nervous breakdown. My wife had made some chocolate brownies. And all day long, Kel was asking his mother, Mama, can I have a brownie? No, son. Mama can have a brownie. She said, you can have it after dinner for a treat. And he can't wait for treat time. I, Mama, can I have a brownie? I, I got home and I hear this crying hysterical in the kitchen. And Kel is in the kitchen going, I need it right now. I need it right now. And I hear this and I walk into the kitchen. I don't know what's going on. I say, what's happening? Kel wants a brownie. I need it right now. I think I'm going to give you some right now. I'm going to tell you what. I said, you straighten up. I need it right now. I said, you straighten your face up right now, son. You stop that. I need it right now. I mean, the boy is having a breakdown over a chocolate brownie. Patience, patience. But the truth of the matter is we all deal with being impatient, even as adults. How many of you are like your pastor? Have you ever had this moment? You stood in front of the microwave and you thought, would you hurry up? I mean, it's the microwave. Hurry up. Here recently, I've been getting up in the morning and trying to take care of the kids, let Tiffany get some extra rest. My, my, my wife is a little over eight months pregnant, so 
get up and play with the kids a little bit, try to get them some breakfast and try to make them some, some pancakes and make some waffles. And before you think I'm super dad, I'm talking about microwave pancakes. Amen. Ego waffles and a toaster. Praise God. Amen. That's my kind of, I can get breakfast ready in five minutes at the max it takes me. And about every morning, I mean, I'm just honest, about every morning, I get that pancake, put it in the saucer, and I put it in the microwave. I stand in front of the microwave, and it's the longest 30 seconds. <laughs> Impatient. How many of you are like your pastor? Now, this is confession time. We're just going to all have an honest confessing moment. How many of you, when you get in the elevator, you hit the closed door button? Come on, fess up. Who does it? Come on, come on, lift your hand up. I mean, some of you may not know this. You just may be ignorant like me. I mean, I'm really not ignorant, but if you're ignorant, let me clue you in. The elevator will close all by itself. Yeah, the door will. Isn't it amazing? We get in the elevator. The first thing we do is hit our floor and start hit that button. I mean, how many of you like me, when you hit the button, you expect the door to close? Why don't you close it? I hit the, why would you put a closed door in the elevator and the door not close? Impatient. We all deal with the issue of patience. And today what I want us to do is I want us to look at three keys to perfecting patience. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. God says as a believer that we can have patience and live a life full of patience. Three keys to perfecting patience. If you're following along with me in your bulletin, there is a place for you to fill in the blanks and take some notes. Point number one, the first key to perfecting patience is be patient with yourself. Be patient with with yourself. I want to look at two aspects regarding being patient with yourself. Number one is this. Be patient with your personal growth. Be patient. When it comes to your spiritual and your personal growth, understand it's a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. If you just gave your heart to Christ a week ago, a month ago, you're not going to be some super giant Christian in a week or a month. Listen, it's a process. It's a journey of becoming more like Jesus Christ. And the Scripture says it like this. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6, being confident of this, you can count on this, you can be sure of this, that he, talking about God, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. The work that God began in you by the work of the Holy Spirit, he's going to carry it on to completion. You say, Pastor, when is completion? When is that finalized, finished date? Well, he goes on to tell us he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, you're going to keep growing and, be, and stretching and being more like Christ until you get to heaven. It's a journey. It's a process. Hear me, church. One of the greatest compliments that you could ever receive is that you're not the same person that you were last week or last month or last year or five years ago. Matter of fact, my wife has told me that before, and it's such a compliment. She said, Herbert, you're not the same man. I mean, you are the same man, but you're not in certain areas of your life. You're not the same man that I married. You now almost 10 and a half, 11 years later, you're more patient. You're more kind. When there's pressure, you handle it a lot better with a softness in your voice. And, and I think, wow, I mean, the Holy Spirit has really worked in my life over the last 10 and a half, 11 years. I, I, I asked some of our, our staff and one of the greatest compliments they give me is, Herbert, you're not the same boss and pastor that you were four, five, six years ago. 
And what a compliment for me. Matter of fact, I had my assistant. I just asked her, said, be honest with me, be candid with me. How have I changed over the last four years since you've worked here, two years of being my assistant? She says, man, you're a lot more patient. You just have better interaction with the staff. She says, and the biggest thing is you just, you, you've mellowed out. I mean, you chilled out. I know some of you didn't realize this, but I got, I got a problem with ADD. I haven't drunk any caffeine today. This is just me normally. This is just natural Herbert Cooper. And I've mellowed out a lot. And I thought, you know what? Wow, what a compliment that the people closest to me can say, Herbert, you're more like Jesus Christ today than you were last year, last week, last month. It is a process. And listen to me. Here's the key. Here's the key. Just don't stop growing. See, some people get stuck, and they get stuck in some habit. They get stuck in some bad pattern. But listen, if the Holy Spirit is having his way in your life, you can look back a year ago, and you're not the same person. I look back in my life five years ago, some of the struggles, some of the things that were hindering me in my walk with Christ. I'm more free today than I was last year. I'm more free last year than I was the year before because the Holy Spirit is working in my heart. Listen, when it comes to your spiritual and personal growth, be patient. Just don't stop growing. There's a second thing that I want to bring up under be patient with yourself. Number two is this. Be patient with your personal problems, with your personal problems, not just your personal growth, but your personal problems. And some of you say, be patient with my problems. <laughs> Whatever, Herbert. Don't you realize I am suffering and, and I don't like what I'm going through? Herbert, I hate the season I'm in. I hate the pain and the difficulties that I'm going through. And friends, that's why we also call patience long-suffering. <laughs> long-suffering. You see, friends, one of the very keys to patience is you just have to keep on keeping on no matter what the circumstances are. And friends, hear me today. You must. It's imperative that you keep on keeping on because the very difficulties that you're going through, listen, they, they're serving a purpose in your life. They are. Did you realize that? The hell you're going through, the pain you're going through, the tribulation you're going through, the problem you're going through, the trial that you're going through, sir, ma'am, is serving a purpose in your life. Matter of fact, James says it like this in James chapter 1 and verse number 2. My brethren, count it all joy. In other words, rejoice when you fall into various trials. How many of you in this place would be honest and say Herbert, I have some problems today. I got some trials that I'm going through today. Anybody here today? Come on, the rest of you lying. I pray for you. Amen. That's all right. You got some trials. You, you've got some, some problems. Now, let me ask a second question. How many of you get up every morning and go, I just rejoice in my problems. Woo, I'm so glad I got these problems. I didn't see one hand go up on that one. And James says, when you get a mature perspective, when you have a biblical perspective regarding your problems, your trials, your pain, he says you'll look at them and you'll count it all joy. You'll actually rejoice because of the trials that you're going through. You say, Herbert, why would I rejoice? Verse number three, knowing that the testing of your faith produces, is not for nothing, it produces patience. For instance, trials put your faith to test. Can I tell you, anybody can serve God when everything's going good. 
Anybody can praise the Lord when everything's hunky-dory. But can I tell you, you know that you've got a firm faith and foundation in Christ when you're going through trials and you take a licking, but you keep on ticking. And you say, listen, I'm going to continue to press on and serve God. My faith is not going to be wavered even though I've got problems because I realize when my faith is being tested because of the trial, it's producing patience in me. He goes on to say in verse number four, but let patience have its perfect work. Another, in other words, don't interfere with the patience. Don't try to take matters into your own hands. Listen, when you're going through the trial, the tribulation, let patience have its perfect work. Why? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is not good English, but you'll understand what I'm saying. What you're going through, it ain't for nothing. Is serving a purpose in your life. Listen, James says if you'll go through this with joy and rejoice and you'll let patience have its perfect work in your, in your life, you're going to come out of this lacking no, nothing. In other words, you're going to come out of this better than you were before. You're going to come out of this stronger than you were before. You're going to come out of this with more character than you had before. Listen, if you will continue to persevere, keep a strong faith, you're going to come out of this better than you were before. Come on, that, that helps somebody today. Amen. You, it, it ain't for nothing what you're going through. It ain't for nothing. Keep persevering. Be patient with your problems. Be patient with your personal growth. We're talking about being patient with yourself. Number two, the second key to perfecting patience is be patient with people. How many of you know that's where it gets real difficult? I can be patient with myself, but sometimes it gets real difficult to be patient with other people. And one of the keys to knowing if your life is surrendered to the control of the Holy Spirit, one of the keys to knowing if patience is flowing through your life is how you treat other people. I want to, on this point number two, I just want to ask you a series of questions. And I don't want you to think about your neighbor, your spouse, your child, your friend, your boss. I want you to think about yourself and just ask yourself and process this question internally. Number one is this. Are you loving people by being patient with them? If the love of God is controlling your life, you will be patient with people. Matter of fact, Scripture says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 4. It gives us a definition of love. And the writer says this, love is patient. Now, I find this very interesting that the first word that the writer uses to describe love is patience. If your life is filled full of the love of God, you will, you will be patient with other people. The next question, do you have a long fuse or a short fuse with people? Do you consistently fly off the handle with others? Come on, think about it. When your spouse does something you don't like, when your kids are acting like kids, I mean, that's what kids do. Why are you acting like a kid? Well, that's what kids do. They act like kids. When your coworker does something that irritates you, when your friend is, is bugging you and does things you don't like, when somebody, here's the big one, when somebody cuts in front of you on the freeway, how do you respond? With patience or with anger? Friends, when you're easily angered, your life is not full and flowing with patience. Can I tell you that patience and being easily angered are opposites? They're opposites. 
The scripture says this in Proverbs 29, excuse me, Proverbs 14 and verse 29. A patient man has great understanding. What would be the opposite of great understanding? A patient man having great understanding. Well, the opposite would be this. But a quick-tempered man displays folly. You see, when you're patient, here's one of the things that you can know about yourself is that you have a great understanding. See, when you're patient, you understand that if I respond with kindness and just be patient, the end result's going to be a lot better than if I just fly off the handles and let my emotions go out of control. If I'll respond with patience when people are on my nerves, do things that I don't like, if I'll be patient, the end result, the outcome is going to be much, much better. A patient man or woman has great understanding. The scripture says in Proverbs 15 and verse number 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. Isn't that true? Somebody that's hot-tempered, they just fly off the handle. They're always causing a mess. They're, they're always messing up something in relationship. There's always something going on with a hot-tempered person. But the scripture says, but a patient man calms a quarrel. They can step in the middle of a workplace situation and they can bring a calmness. They can step in the middle of a family situation when everybody's been chaotic and, and they're patient and they can bring a a calmness to it. A patient man calms a quarrel, but the opposite would be a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. Examine your life. Are you hot-tempered or are you patient? The next question I want to ask you is, do you put up with people that you want to put down? You know, if we're real transparent, no matter how much you love Jesus, there are certain people that get on what my mama would call your last nerve. Now, I never figured out what the last nerve was, but I remember mama telling me that every once in a while, you get on my last nerve. And there's some people, no matter how much you love Jesus, they can get on your last nerve. And the question is, do you put up with people that you want to put down? Reminds me of a story. There was a husband and wife. They were laying in bed, sound asleep, and they hear this loud knock on the door, knock, 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 and they wake up startled. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. The husband's thinking, who in the world is at the door? And so he gets up and he walks to the front door and he opens the door and it's pouring down rain outside. And there's a drunk man outside of his door and the drunk man says, sir, can you give me a push? And the man says, no, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. And he shuts the door and he goes back into his bedroom, climbs back into bed, puts the covers on top of him. And his wife says, honey, who was that? It was a drunk man. What did he want? Well, he needed a push. What, did you help him? No, it's pouring down rain outside. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. And the wife says to the husband, well, you sure got a short memory. Don't you remember just two weeks ago we were on vacation and the car ran out of gas? And those two fellows stopped, and they helped us out. Don't you remember that? You sure got a short memory. I think you ought to go help that man. The husband laid in bed for a few more moments, and he began to think, if I don't get up, my wife's going to think bad about me. If I don't get up and help this man, my conscience is going to bother me. And so the man just got up out of bed. He put some clothes on quickly, and he walks outside in the pouring rain, and rain is pouring down everywhere. And the man is looking for the drunk man. He says, Sir, do you still need that push? He hollers out in the dark, and the, and, and, and the drunk man says, I sure do. That would be so kind of you. 
And the, and, and the man called back to him, well, where are you? And the drunk man said, I'm over here on the swing set. There are some people that can get on your last nerve, no matter how much you love Jesus. And the question is, do you put up with people that you want to put down? The scripture says it like this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Notice this. Be patient. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Be patient, bearing. Everybody say bearing. That's so key. Bearing with one another in love. Wow, if we could get this in the body of Christ. Be patient with one another. Bearing. We have to learn to bear with one another. Notice this. Bear with one another in love, not in hate. See, you can bear with people in hostility. You can bear with people in anger. But the Scripture calls us as a follower of Christ to bear with people in love. Be patient with people. Be patient with yourself. Point number three is this, as we're looking at three keys to perfecting patience. Number three is be patient with God. Be patient with God. And I want to quickly look at three aspects of being patient with God. Number one is this, be patient with God in prayer, in prayer. You see, friends, we oftentimes pray for something, and we really expect God just to do it overnight. And we ought to have an expectancy and a faith. But what happens is somebody's praying, and some of you here today, you're praying. You've been praying for a spouse. You've been praying for a child. You've been praying for God to send that right person into your life. You've been praying about a career move. You've been praying about a dilemma or a decision that you need to make. And you've been praying, and you haven't gotten the answer yet. And you know what happens to so many people? They, they pray for a week. And some of you are there. You've been praying for a week. You, you've been praying for a month. You've been praying, some of you, for a year. And you haven't seen the answer yet. And we have a tendency to get real discouraged. We have a tendency just to give up and quit and not have faith anymore and to quit praying and believe in God. But listen, one of the keys to effective praying is you've got to learn to keep on praying and to keep on being persistent. Jesus said it like this, ask. Knock and seek. Literally ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking because there are times that God shows up and he answers a prayer after you just keep on being persistent. Just keep on praying. Keep on seeking God. Keep on asking. The the psalmist said it like this in Psalms chapter 40 and verse number 1. He says, I waited patiently. Wow, that's hard. I waited patiently for the Lord. I was waiting for him to reply, for him to show up. He turned to me and he heard my cry. But he didn't turn to me and hear my cry. He was listening. He heard what I said. But he didn't show up with the answer until I waited patiently for the Lord. I look at my life and I've been praying for some of my family to give their heart to Christ. I've literally been praying for years. I still believe, I pray in faith, I haven't seen the answer yet, but can I tell you, I'm not going to get discouraged and quit praying, I'm going to keep on praying, because one of the keys to effective praying is to keep on praying, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, knowing that God is going to show up in His time, and oftentimes His time is not our time, but we have to learn to do what the psalmist said, I wait patiently on the Lord, and I know this, He will turn to me, He'll hear my cry, and He'll answer my prayer. Listen, be patient with God in prayer, don't get discouraged. 
Don't give up. Keep on praying. Number two is this. Be patient with God about his plan for your life. About his plan for your life. Hebrews 10 and verse number 36. I I really like this scripture. I want to share it with you out of the living Bible. It says you need to keep on patiently, patiently, patiently doing God's will. If you want him to do for you all that he has promised. You see, God's promised some things to you through his word. God has even spoken to some of your hearts and given you a vision and a dream about your future. And God says, listen, if you want that plan to unfold, if you want that dream to come to pass, if you want that promise to, 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 to come to fruition, he says, listen, you've got to wait patiently and you've got to keep doing the will of God. Can I tell you the opposite is also true? If you don't wait patiently, if you don't keep doing the will of God, you can actually delay God's promises. If you're not really careful, you can actually miss out entirely on the promises of God. I think about Abraham and Sarah. God promised them a promised child. He said, listen, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And Abraham and Sarah, they didn't wait on God's plan. They got in a hurry. And Abraham slept with another woman and had a son named Ishmael. That's caused them havoc and still caused havoc today because they tried to rush the plan of God. And it was delayed in their life because they tried to take matters into their own hand. I think about Moses. He knew that God had called him. He knew he had a leadership gift. He knew that God had called him to influence and to lead Israel. And he got ahead of God. And he killed an Egyptian. And the plan and purposes of God was delayed. And he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert. I think about the children of Israel. The Bible says there was an entire generation of Israelites that never made it into the promised land. They disobeyed God. They did their own thing. They grumbled and they missed out on God's best. They died in the wilderness and they never made it to the land flowing with milk and honey. They missed it all together. All I'm saying is you've got to be very careful. Don't get ahead of God. Don't rush God. Because if you're not careful, you can miss out on God's best. I'm talking to somebody. It's a career move you're looking at. It's, it's somebody that you got your eye on for dating and thinking about marriage. It's, it's somebody, and it's a key financial decision. You're thinking about a new house, a new car, and you're, you're, an, you're anxious, and you want, you're wanting to run, rush, and you've got this anxiety, and you're trying to jump into it and make it happen yourself. Slow down! Don't rush God's plan. If you'll wait patiently on God, and keep doing the will of God, God will bring his promise to pass in your life. Number three, there is a third aspect that I want to look at. Be patient with God about the return of Christ. About the return of Christ. God promised us that his son Jesus is going to come back. Isn't that a wonderful promise for the church of Jesus Christ? Jesus is coming back. He, he promised us that we will spend eternity in a place called heaven. And if you're not a follower of Christ, man, you may not even be aware of this. This may not even be on your radar screen. If you're a new believer, you may not even understand this. But God has promised this, that he's going to come back one day. And his people, those who have placed faith and trust in Jesus Christ, will spend eternity in a place called heaven. And those who don't know him will spend eternity away from God in a place called hell. And, and that, that's guaranteed. That, that's scriptural. That's biblical. That's going to happen one day. And as a follower of Christ, we are waiting patiently. I know that I'm waiting patiently for the Lord to come and to fulfill that promise and to spend forever and ever 
in his presence. And the scripture says it like this as we're waiting patiently for the Lord to return. Second Peter chapter three and verse number eight says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. You see, God's time frame is totally different. He's the one that created time. And when you create time, you're not worried about time. And God says, let me explain to you my time clock. One day, to me is like nothing. It's just a thousand years is like a day, you know. I just let it day to you is big time stuff for me. Ah, no big deal for me. It's just I'm not freaked out, concerned. A thousand years to me, just like one day. That that's my radar screen and I when I look at this thing called time. And he goes on to say in verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. What's that promise the scripture is referring to? It's talking about the coming of Jesus Christ where his church is going to be raptured away and we're going to spend eternity in God's presence. He says, listen, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you. That's good news. How many of you are glad that our Heavenly Father is patient with us? I did some stuff I should have died over. I did some stuff that I, there's no way God's grace should have intersected and save me out of that mess and out of that sin. But God is patient with you and with me. Why is God so patient? Why hasn't God sent his son back to come and, and, and to rapture his church out? Why hasn't God done that yet? Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Can I tell you in that good news? God the Father says, hold on, God the Son. Hold on, hold on. Well, well, Paul thought I was going to come back in his day. Hold on, son. There's somebody else who needs to be saved. Hold on. Hold on. Can I tell you the only reason? That's it. The only reason that Jesus has not yet come back for his church is because God is patient. And he wants everyone to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you're here today, can I tell you, God loves you so much. And he's so patient with you. You should have died in that car wreck.